That's uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. So what I wanted to spend some time tonight talking about is um, this kind of bridges back over the last several conversations we've, we've had together, even back to when God spoke to us a few weeks ago about, if you remember, uh, maybe we should take a quick quiz. It's school, back to school time. See how you guys were listening three weeks ago, retention rate. Um, I don't remember a lot of the details, but the main point I do remember, which was what now? After we had baptism, whenever that came about in our life, once we confessed faith in our life, like what now? What next? The attacks that come. If you remember, he had a list of questions that we all come face to face with at some point, some variation of that question, which is questioning, um, are we enough? You know, there's a list of questions, but all of them are the same thing as the enemy creating doubt in who we are and even who he is. Is he a good, good father? And that's the question that the enemy would like us to struggle with. But I want to talk about tonight, bridges from that is about how we go through life. It's like, what's next? We can't go it alone. Um, we can't go it alone. Whatever's next, we can't go it alone. Uh, we need to develop relationships in our lives, and our life is meant and purposed to be lived out in relationship. And so, um, as I talk about relationships to several different groups, other groups of men that I huddle with, I've kind of crafted these little catchy thing here for me. I'm not that creative, but this one's, I think, pretty good. If you think otherwise, don't tell me till later. But um, the three T's for developing relationships. The three T's. So that's where I want, hopefully we'll cover all three of them tonight. That's where I want to get to. That's my goal. And those three T's are time, transparency, and trust. And so that's not an exhaustive list of how you develop relationship, but that's my core list. And it's what I think those three things have made a huge impact and uh, difference in my life as I've journeyed this faith walk. And I've seen God just overwhelm me and shower me and cover me with great, uh, faithful, spirit-filled relationships. And it overwhelms me when I begin to think about all those in my life. But time, transparency, and trust. And as you think about those things, the way I present them may be a little different uh, than the way you're thinking about them right now. But we'll get there in just a second. So... Uh, Ecclesiastes 4, 9 and 12 says, Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person fails, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. 
So that's the verse, that's the anchor verse for me, for relationships, and the truth behind that is that the intention God has for us in our life to walk in relationships. And so I was mentioning the conversation we had that God led us through a few weeks ago about the questions and the attacks. Uh, he was in Ecclesiastes, he mentioned Ecclesiastes 6, which says uh, there is some bad news. There is evil. You know, we are in a world that is at war, and there is evil present. Um, last week, Mike talked about the refresh button. And, uh, you know, I felt like it's a good lead up to where we're talking today because uh, it is not possible in those attacks, in those times of struggle, in those times of strain, always for us to even see that we need to hit the refresh button, let alone actually do it on our own, is that we need these relationships that are about, that are for us, that are about edifying us, about lifting us up, that are concerned about what's going on in our life, to point out to us sometimes that we need to refresh, um, we need to do that. So, time is the first T, and so all that is equal for us. Everybody's on an equal plane. Doesn't matter what job you got, how many jobs you got, how many classes you got, where you go to school, where you're from. 24 hours in a day, seven days in a week, that gives us 168 hours for the week. We're all equal. And so the time component, although equal, is very different for each of us, depending on how intentional we are with that time. How aware are we of the time that we're spending and who we're spending it with and what we're doing with that time. And so that's how I look at the time component is that I must, I must be intentional with my time. If I've got 168 hours in a week and I truly, really want to develop um, deeper, stronger relationships in my life, I must be committed to pouring some time into that. I can't, only, I can't say that I need that in my life and then take a time inventory and it look the same tomorrow as it did yesterday. Because if we keep doing what we've been doing, then we keep getting what we've been getting. And so we have to make a change in that in regards to the, the intentionality we have with the way we're spending our time. So what I'm not saying is that we have to go out and create a completely new agenda for our journey tomorrow or a completely new set of people to do things with. What I am saying is we have to be intentional about the time we're already spending doing activities we're already doing. It's like, what are, you're are probably already doing a lot of things you already enjoy doing. But are you inviting folks to join you in that? And while you're in it, whether you've invited somebody to join or not, are you looking for folks to connect with and live life deeper with while you're doing what you're doing? So that's my, my thought about time, is to be intentional with the time. There was a couple other verses. You don't have to go there. I just want to... Uh, it speaks back into relationship and uh, the difference... Well, it talks about isolation, and I think we've talked about it here. I may have mentioned it uh, last time I was with you before the giving meeting, but 
um, solitude and isolation. Two very different things. Uh, solitude is a time just to kind of hit the refresh button uh, for some of us. Uh, some of you may be refreshed by being with people, and then you know some folks may need solitude to refresh, or at different seasons in your life it may be different. But solitude is not a bad thing. Solitude is just a quiet time. We see Jesus seek solitude in his walk throughout his life. Um, solitude is a healthy thing. Solitude is a place that when it's when you're done in that time of solitude, you're looking to re-engage. You're looking back for a relationship. You come out of that looking to connect. Isolation is not good. Isolation, Proverbs 18.1 says, a man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. Um, when we did the giving meeting, I, I read the verse from Acts that I have here, Acts 2.46-47. says, now all who believed were together and had all things in common. Sold their possessions and goods, divided them among all, and as anyone had need, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who are being saved. So just a, a verse that shows the uh, desire for God that we live out life together. <coughs> Uh, if you think about the one another verses, and I thought about looking to see how many there were, and unfortunately I didn't, so I don't have that stat for you today, but I know this, there's a bunch. Uh, if we started now, it'd probably take us uh, a half an hour, and you probably know a great number of them if you think about it, but all the one another verses, what were to encourage one another, strengthen one another, you know, love one another. If you think about all those verses in Scripture, it calls us to come together and live out together. But we have to start and uh, be intentional with our time and the activities we're involved with, the going that we're going and doing, is look for opportunities to invite folks on that journey with us and look for folks that are already on that journey to connect with in our time. All right, transparency. Um, the verse I have for this I look for other verses, and I, um, continue to feel compelled to share this verse, and, um, so I don't know, Mike may have to do like a three-week, a three-week, uh, series, uh, on this verse to, uh, to get you out of the weeds, uh, hopefully not, I don't want it, to, it's a deep verse, and, uh, it's packed, power-packed full, and I, have no intent. I don't want to get you in the weeds, but I kept coming back to this verse about transparency. Okay, so we're going to give it a shot. But in transparency, what I'm not saying is every moment you spend with every person, I don't believe you have to be totally transparent in regards to bearing all. Right? We all have a story, we all have experiences. There's appropriate times that makes sense like the spirit leads us into that connection like when somebody shares something with you and you feel compelled to share an experience of your life that matches that um, I think a lot of people have a fear of that word transparency feeling like we have to be transparent totally 100% of the time 
so I'm, I hope that makes sense to you. Just the way I kind of look at that in regards to being transparent is a willingness. A willingness. Will my heart have a willingness to be transparent, to be vulnerable? Um, we know, we talk about a lot. I mean, hiding is not. I mean, that's the opposite of being transparent. But um, are we willing? Are we willing to be vulnerable? And so I know that's a stretch. It's a stretch for me. I know it's a stretch for a lot of you because relationships are tough. There's one relationship we can depend on all the time. Only one. And that's our relationship with Christ. It's good of a husband as I want to be to Mary Catherine. Have I let you down before? Once? <laughs> Only once. Today. No, more than once today. Um, as good a father as I want to be for Joseph and for Catherine, I'm going to let them down. I mean, there's nobody... As a parent, you know, as a husband, you just don't. There's not more of a desire to never let anyone down than your family. And it's going to happen. Uh, it's going to happen. So, there's only that one we can depend on. So, in being willing to be vulnerable, we know it's coming, you know. Pain is coming. But that's why it's it is um, needed. But we need desperately to have healthy relationships, plural, in our life. Um, it takes more than one it takes more than one human relationship to get through this thing called life. We need as many as we can build. And we have our limits. Um, you know, I have a lot of great relationships, but they're not all on the same level. And uh, I, don't, I don't spend time prioritizing that. I just trust the Spirit to develop that. And we'll get to that in a second. But here's the verse. It's in First John, uh, and I'll read it for you. 1 John 1, 5 through 10. This is the message which we have heard from him. So this is the Apostle John writing to a group. We think this letter was circulated in a large area, uh, relatively large area, to believers of that time. So gives you a little bit of context. But this is the message which we have heard from him, capital H, Jesus, and declare to you that God is light. Debbie mentioned that earlier. That God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in the darkness, then we lie and we do not practice the truth. So what he's talking about is believer versus non-believer. That at that point in time, there were a lot of folks that were Believing their salvation was connected with what they knew, their knowledge. That they, if they knew enough, that was enough. That Christ wasn't enough. 
So he's separating here. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in the darkness, not in the spirit, but in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. How much sin? All sin. So we can read this passage and we can make it conditional if we only read this passage. Because there's a big if there, right? I just read that a minute ago. If we walk, walk in the darkness, if we confess. And so that's where I don't want us to get in the weeds. Because he says here that all sin is cleansed by Jesus Christ. His Son cleanses all sin once we declare our faith in Christ and we believe in Christ that it's His strength, it's His blood, it's His effort that cleanses us. If we say that we have no sin and declare ourselves, um, we, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His word is not in us. So I use that verse because the Spirit led me there and compelled me to go there and to share it with you. But it's very challenging because if you're not careful, you'll read conditionality into God's forgiveness as you read through that. I don't read it that way. I know the story. I know that God is a good, good Father. I know that His love is unconditional. That my righteousness is based on His, not on anything I can do. However, I do believe that this word, koinonia, that you've heard mentioned before by me, it's in this area of Scripture several times as fellowship, but you also see it in some as participation or sharing. And I believe we can take this passage of Scripture and relate it to our lives today, uh, not only in the finality of His cleansing and His righteousness for us, but of allowing us to walk and live in freedom each and every day from that cleansing by just being willing to be vulnerable about confessing our sin with one another, being willing to say, I missed the mark. I missed the mark yesterday. I'm going to miss the mark again. Like, I realize that. But my identity and righteousness and right standing with God is not based on that because Christ didn't miss the mark. He's perfect. Um, and so that's where I cling to is His righteousness for my right standing. And I believe that we are called to participate in being vulnerable with one another to say, I realize I missed the mark. I need help. Um, hopefully that resonates with you and uh, doesn't get you in the weeds. But that's 1 John 1, 5 through 10. If you have questions on that, see Mike. <laughs> I, love, I do love that, that passage of Scripture. And uh, I love the fact that that word, one, one of my favorite words, it, it's so deep, but participation. Just like our giving meeting. You know, if we all come in this room and we say we got X amount of dollars to give out and nobody participates, then we walk out of the room with X amount of dollars still available, you know? 
it takes us as a body to engage and participate to move through this thing called life. Um, all right, last T is trust. And it's where I had uh, this note. He will never let me down, exclamation mark. Uh, it's where that song resonated for me, was in this trust point, is that I'm not going into developing relationships, looking and evaluating all these people that I come in contact with as to who I can trust and who I can't. Now that may sound absolutely crazy, but the fact of the matter is I already know who I can trust. <coughs> It's him. Um, yes, I'd like to trust all of you 100% of the time, and I know I want to find out if you're for me or not. And so I know if I can find that out, that if you're for me and you're going to be edifying for me and my life, that um, that's enough for me to place my trust in and trust Christ with the rest of it. But... He will never let me down. The question is, do you believe that? Do each of you believe that? You know, we sung, we sang several songs tonight. It's just a huge question. We sang it, and I look around the room to, to kind of get myself used to looking at the faces, looking back. I saw a lot of smiles on your faces as you sang out that he is a good father, that he is never going to let me down, so I know... We came here tonight to, to praise that and worship that together. But we have to ask ourselves that question. Do we really believe he's not going to let us down? We have to get to the point. We need other people to help us. If you're not sure on that, that's where you need other people to engage with to help you get to that place of comfort, of peace, of joy, of settling, um, to live in that constantly. Um, Just as I think about trusting Him with my relationships and spending time with others and being intentional about looking for other people to connect with, um, this verb I thought was fitting. Proverbs 16.9 says, A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. So we can leave here with the three T's and put a perfect plan together in our minds about what that's going to look like and what I'm going to do and who I'm going to meet and what that relationship's going to look like. Probably not. You know, but go for it. Plan it. Do it. Go for it. Be open to the Spirit to move you through that. He'll direct you. Um, another proverb, 29-25. Again, tying into trusting Him that He is for us. He's not going to let us down. Proverbs 29-25. The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. He's a refuge. He's a safe place. You can trust Him with that. There's really one more thing I want to share, and I'm done. And it's Isaiah 61. And I don't want you to read. I actually want you to close your book, close your screen. And uh, when I wrote this note down, Isaiah 61, I wrote, uh, Restore and Reward. 
There's a lot in Isaiah 61, uh, but that was what resonated with me as I read through it uh, in preparation of sharing it tonight. That he's not going to let us down, that he is for us, that he is a good, good father. His heart is to restore us and to reward us. To restore us and to reward us. So I'm going to ask you to let me read this over you. Isaiah 61. I know a lot of you are very familiar without even looking at your scripture. You could probably read it over me, but uh, I want to read it over you. So if you would uh, close your book, close your screen, close your eyes even. Uh, just kind of let your heart settle. Let me read this over you. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that, may, that he may be glorified. And they shall rebuild the old ruins. They shall raise up the former desolations. And they shall repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. Strangers shall stand and feed your flocks, and the sons of the foreigners shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. But you shall be named the priest of the Lord. They shall call you the servants of our God. You shall eat the riches of the Gentiles, and in their glory you shall boast. Instead of your shame, you, will shout, you shall have double honor. Instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess double. Everlasting joy shall be theirs. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery for burnt offering. I will direct their work in truth and will make with them an everlasting covenant. Their descendants shall be known among the Gentiles and their offering and their offspring among the people. All who see them shall acknowledge them, that they are the posterity whom the Lord has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its bud, as the garden causes the things that are sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. Amen.
that's it for me. Um, do you believe he's never going to let you down? Relationships are tough, but they're necessary. Many ways, many ways, many ways to develop those in your life. But at least three things I would tell you are necessary to do it. It's worked for me. And um, think about your time. Think about your willingness to be transparent. And definitely place your trust in Him uh, to direct your path. Amen. We sing some more. Let's do it.